three. Blog two, Talk Radio. Here we go. This is all about all wine. About wine. The talk dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do in this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around, and around the world. You know, we really have that and some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about BTR. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about BTR. And now, all about wine is on. Here's Okay. Thank you, best people. And we are there. And the video right. is still ending on social media. Oh. <laughs> um, the video is still ending from last week. <laughs> yeah, it's still going. It's just now seeing it. Wow. <laughs> Looks uh, like I got everything fixed. Fifteen, yeah, about fifteen seconds delay. That's not too bad. Not too <laughs> bad. Give it not five bad. minutes. Yeah, um, it'll be, it'll be more. <clears throat> okay, you know, welcome we to all about wine. We are live. So if you listen yeah. to us on August the seventeenth, twenty twenty-three, we are live. If you're listening to us at any other time, then thanks. We appreciate that too. So, yeah. it, uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I was outside doing yard work and I got something in my throat and I've been trying to clear it all day. It's been driving me crazy. So oh. if I am coughing fit. I apologize now before and if it does happen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, uh, let's see. What's coming up? We got we got some guests over the next three weeks. I've been busy and got some people booked. Next week we have Clark Smith who's going to be on the show. He is an expert in the field of American native grapes. He is one of them that did the podcast that I was telling you about. Oh, what was it? I guess it's been about a month now. And he was one of the three guys that was part of the podcast. Finally got a hold of all three of them. And Clark is one of the three that's going to be on. He will be on next week. Uh, they're each going to be on by themselves, which I actually prefer that because if not we'd have to make this show like three hours long because they are all three extremely knowledgeable and interesting so he'll be on next week and talk about native american grapes and history and all sorts of stuff and it's just it's well worth listening to excuse me and then the following week, we have a guest, Terry, who 
is part of a duo that did a wine film, he and his brother Toby. It's going to be on next week, or the in two weeks, the 31st. And Toby, his brother, will be on sometime in September. We haven't set up a definite date yet, but sometime in September for Toby. So Terry will be on the 31st talking to us and telling us about their film and how it came about and all that stuff. Then, coming up the first week in September, we have the another of the three that were on the Native Grape American Grape podcast, Jerry... Eisterhold, I guess is pronounced, but Jerry is also uh, a owner of uh, Vox. Oh, Jesus! I uh, let's see what uh, Teravox is what Teravox Winery, and he is doing a lot of native grapes at Terrebox Wine. They're located in Missouri, actually. Um, I think they're northwest of Kansas City. Uh, so uh, they're my native area there. But they appeared there, and they started after I actually moved out of the area and didn't live there anymore. I lived here in Florida for like close to 40 years now. So he started after I moved out. But he will tell us about what he's doing in Native Graves, about what well, his knowledge is, is really fantastic. So he will tell us about Native Graves. He'll tell us about what he's growing at Terravox Winery and about Terravox Winery and all that. If you are interested, you can check out Terravox Winery. I think it's just T-E-R-R-A-V-O-X. Winery or wine, I think it's dot wine, Terravox dot wine. And uh, our Terravox wine, I'm not sure what the, let's see if I can, if I can find it quickly. Yep. Here. Terravox.wine. You got it. Okay. Terravox.wine. And you can yeah. go to his website and check out all the good stuff he's done. He's, he's done some great work there. He's got a lot of stuff there. Uh, and he's really doing some fantastic stuff in that area. Yeah, there he is. Just he's He's got a Kansas City address. Terravox Wine is Kansas City address, but it's north west of Kansas City, but Kansas City is annexed, so much area out there, you have to drive for like two hours to get out of the Kansas City area. So, we have some great guests coming up for the next three weeks. I'm sad to say you're stuck with me today, but that's cool. Uh, today is National Massachusetts Day. Kool-Aid Day is tomorrow. National Photography Day is on Saturday. National Lemonade Day, Sunday. National Sweet Tea Day, Monday. <laughs> National Tooth Fairy Day is Tuesday. Cheap Flight Day, Wednesday. And then next Thursday, National Peach Pie Day and National Burger Day. So, good, good combination. Burgers and peach pie. There you go. And... Uh, mm -hmm. 
and that's the day. In fact, any of these days when you're drinking these other drinks, just you know, set them off to the side and give them to the kids and have yourself a glass of wine. Uh, <laughs> Kool-Aid day? No, I don't think so. I'll have wine. Yeah, and so, so that's what's happening coming up over the next uh, next three weeks. Here, we've got ourselves a good list of guests, and I'm looking forward to all three of them. Uh, the guys' film should be interesting. These the guys with the Native American grapes. That was a great podcast. In fact, after we finish talking to them. I will post up on our Facebook page, uh, I guess that's the best place for it, a link to their actual podcast that they did. And it's about an hour, but it's if you're at all interested in Native American grapes, it is really fantastic. Uh, good listen and an interesting show that they put on that podcast. So... All right, so let's see what we've got to talk about tonight. Uh, we've got uh, a Little League World Series is going on right now. If you are interested in that, that's held up in what, Williamsburg. Yeah, Williamsburg, Pennsylvania. And it's uh, international teams, and then they end up playing American teams. we got like 16 American teams and 16 international teams. And uh, it's a round robin, double loss round robin. This is a 16. I think I might have too many. One, two, three, four, five, eight, nine, ten. No, ten and ten. So it's a double round robin, but uh, it's fun. It's going to be on the. It's on the ESPN. If you're interested, ESPN two is carrying some games. Um, ABC will start picking up. Uh, on Sunday, they have a game scheduled, and then ABC on the 26th will show the international semifinal and the U.S. semifinal, and then the final will be Sunday the 27th on ABC. So it's always fun. You, and, and actually, if you look at those and you start seeing some standout pitchers and standout players, keep an eye on them and about... I don't know, seven, eight years, they'll probably end up in the majors because a lot of them do play Little League before they go to the majors, and their teams are usually pretty good, and the players are pretty good. Okay, now, another thing I want to tell you, which has absolutely nothing to do with wine, but this is really a cool thing because it so, so rarely happens. The Rings on Saturn are going to be visible to us here on Earth on August the 26th and 27th. Okay, now, what happens is Saturn's going to be at such an angle, and the sun's going to hit it at such an angle, and it's going to be able to reflect the rings so that we can see him here. And uh, the article I read says, you know, will be visible to the naked eye, but you really got to strain. Get yourself a pair of 
binoculars or just a basic telescope uh, and you'll be able to see it much better so it's you know you actually see the rings of a planet I mean wow that's that's just sort of too cool so that is going to be on the night of the 26th and 27th. They will be at the best opposition. It's going to be 4 a.m. Eastern time, Eastern Daylight Time. So if you're watching on the East Coast, it'll be 1, or West Coast, it'll be 1 a.m. So that would be the best time to see it. Uh, it's just sort of a cool celestial thing. So mark your calendars for... The uh, night of the 26th and 27th of this month. Uh, yeah, I think it's cool anyway. Okay, so let's see what else we have here. Uh, saw an article. I'm going to share it with you. Eight delicious regions and wine regions you may never have heard of. Well, you probably hear a lot of them because I talk about a lot of them all over the place. But these, it's it's a reminder list, actually, because I've mentioned a lot of these to you before. Uh, so, first one, Upper Middle Rhine Valley in Germany. Uh, there's 40 medieval castles built up there on that area, so that gives you another reason to go there. But... Um, the Romans planted the first grapes in the upper middle Rhine Valley back in around the 4th century. So these have been there for a long, long time. And there are also lots of castles in the area. 400-year-old uh, castles, 13th century ruins, castles, all sorts of things. So if you're in Germany, the upper Rhine Valley is a great place Upper Middle Rhine Valley is a great place to visit uh, for wineries, vineyards, and for the castles. Next one, Paco Island Azores in Portugal. Now, this is something I would not have considered. Um, there's uh, about 10% of Paco's original vineyards have been restored, and the appellation of origin has earned some of the country's top wine honors, which sort of surprised me. But uh, 15th century uh, is when they first started to plant vineyards there. 15th century. So you can stop by there. They also have a wine museum that's housed in that region, uh, that area, uh, which is located in a 16th century convent. So you can also go in there and visit the wine museum uh, for the area. Cape Floral Region in South Africa. Well, we all know South Africa does some great wines, and uh, but this is the Cape Floral Region. And it's the smallest region in South Africa, and it's stated as the most biologically robust of the world's six floral kingdoms. Uh, so that's something, too. Uh, between its peaks and valleys, they grow nearly 9,000 species of plants, uh, which is, oh, wow. You know, I mean, if you're really into plants, that's a great place to visit. Uh, but it 
was in the mid-17th century that the Dutch introduced a plant of a different sort in the area, uh, grapevine. And so they've been making wine since then. Uh, a lot of different ones. They 350 years of winemaking heritage, they're saying. So, and they also have a wine tram. So you can jump on the wine tram, which goes through the wine region, and check out the wineries there. Next one, Wachau, is that something? Wachau? W-A-C-H-A-U. What's the pronunciation, Mike? I always say Wachau, but maybe it's a hard C-H. W-A-C-H-A-U. The German pronunciation uh, doesn't give it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Uh, All right. Let's do. uh, They won't won't know. Um, You translate. Uh, Voice. Oh, it's not supported. Oh, come on. I'll stay. Well, if you find it. Then just interrupt me and say. Oh, allow. Watch out. Watch out. (laughs) Watch out. Okay. So I was almost right. Watch out. Watch out. All right. So it's a watch out (laughs) wine region. Uh, (laughs) Watch out. Watch out. It's between, it runs along the Danube River. And it's between the cities of Milk, M-E-L-K, and Creams. Oh, that's cool. K-R-E-M-S. If I pronounce those right, that's sort of a cool way. Milk and Creams. Um, the Danube helped shape the Wachau climate. And it's uh, it was the monks that planted the grapevines in the area in the 9th century. And now more than 100 vineyards producing uh uh, a Gruner Vertlaner and Riesling are in the area. Plus, they have a whole bunch of old stuff around there and everything. So, that's something to also put on your list. Uh, watch out, Austria. Uh, rolling Hills and all that. Pretty neat picture they have here of it. And let's see the next one. K T O K A J. I don't think the J is pronounced. Toke, Hungary. And this 1,000-year-old wine region is noted for its distinctive Azu, A-S-Z-U, wine. It's a sweet, creamy wine. Uh, Louis XV described it as the wine of kings, the king of wines. And it has something like 3,000 subterranean wine cellars, stone grottos that honeycomb the landscape. And it's uh, also 30 wine-producing villages. So uh, quite a wine area there. Toke Wine Festival is done in early June, but they also have the Harvest Fest that comes up in October. And then the next one here is Starry Grade 
plane, or grad plane, starry, S-T-A-R-I, grad, G-R-A-D, plane, P-L-A-I-N, in Croatia. And it is an island, Croatian island, oh, I'm uh, Croatian, the Croatian island of Havar, H-V-A-R, is uh, one of the longest winemaking traditions in the world. Havar's first vineyards were planted in the soils of Stari Grad Plain at the island's center in the 4th century BCE, before the Common Era. So that's uh, a long time, long time. Uh, virtually unchanged for 2,500 years and still produces the original grapes for the area. Well, that would be a cool place to visit. And I believe, the, oh yeah, we've got a couple more. Laveau, L-A-V-A-U-X, Laveau, Switzerland. And this was planted by the monks of the Benedictine and Cistercian monasteries and back in the 11th century when they first started to make wine. Still being made today, there are around 10,000 terraces which are used today that crisscross the land uh, for uh, grapevines. And it said that narrow valleys are lined with half timber homes and tiny restaurants. So, sounds like that'd be fun. And Alto Douro, Portugal. This is our last one here. Alto Douro, Portugal. is the port wine area, but Alto Douro is a remote river that slices through Portugal. And it... Uh, the, the sweet fortified wine. Oh, my engineer is walking in with a wine for me tonight. Okay, what do we got here? We don't know. Oh, the Federalist. We've had this before. This is good. Uh, thank you. Uh, let me finish this last wine section. This is out of the Smithsonian Magazine, by the way. They They put this list together. This uh, fortified spirit isles in the 17th century. The region's first vines were planted 2,000 years ago. And uh, the, the Qantas, our winemaking farms, villages and roads are characteristic of its ongoing winemaking story. We had a guest on that did a movie for, I believe, this area or something, the Douro region of Portugal. Interesting, interesting. Talked to people about it and talked about the wine growing. It's basically about the people, but it's a great little movie. Um, check back on, well, I hate, because every time I guess how long something's been, it's been like so much longer than what I remember. So, but check back on our uh, archives and you'll see the Portugal Door region, a little movie that's done about the region. Uh, great. I recommend that highly. But this is another great place to visit over there in the Douro region, Alto Douro region of Portugal. You heard my glass ting there, didn't you? Okay. Uh, and my wine. Tonight's wine 
is the Federalist. Cabernet Sauvignon, we've had this before. We love this wine. Cabernet Sauvignon aged in bourbon barrels for six months. That seems to be a really big thing, aging in bourbon barrels now. Uh, boy, fine print, fine print. It's always fun to read the fine print. Our Cabernet Sauvignon is made with bold and jammy fruit from Lodi. The six-month aging in bourbon barrels gives the wine a deliciously smoky caramel finish. Cellared and bottled by Federal's Vineyards. And 750 milliliter Lodi is the appellation on it. And it says, you know, this isn't uh, vintage. That's good. Harvested from Lodi, this Cabernet Sauvignon is an, an enticing partnership of bold fruit and bourbon barrel aging. We age this wine to perfection with the first six months in American oak and second six months in bourbon barrels. You'll taste jammy fruit and enjoy the smoky caramel finish. 13.8% alcohol by volume, 750 milliliter, 2018. You know, that is really odd. They don't have anywhere on the front of the bottle a vintage date. Nowhere do they have a vintage date on the front label. But you turn over in the back and write down small print above the contained sulfite and then the uh, UVC bars. It's a little thing, 2018. That is so weird that they don't bring the vintage up around the front or something. I usually well, I hardly ever see that. That is really strange. But let me give a taste and give my quick review of this, and we'll see what we've got here. Okay. It is sort of a deep purple jammy-looking color. Oh, that's nice. Boy, this, uh, the aroma is already popping out. I mean, just from it being poured in the glass and sitting here for a few minutes. Don't need a whole lot of swirling because it's the fight jumping out at me. Mmm, what a great aroma. And you can detect the jamminess to it, to the plumminess. Oh, and the hint of chocolate. Yeah, wow. This this is why we buy this again, because it's, it's always so good. It was good the first time. We had an opportunity to Pick some more up. We did. Mm, fantastic. Um, legs aren't bad on it at all. For those of you who are into the legs of wine, uh, they're slow, thick, which is an indication that most people like to see. Okay, second sip. Let's see what we got here. Oh, wow, that is really good. The alcohol at 13.8% is almost diminished in the flavors. You don't get this alcohol burst uh, when you taste the wine, which a lot of times it seems that 
California calves are just so so hot, so alcoholic that you start losing flavors. But not on this. This has got a great flavor. Definitely, definitely uh, jammy, plummy jam, um, blackberry jam. And I'm picking up a lot of chocolatey in the aftertaste, too. Boy, that is just wonderful. You can just there and pick up this this uh, rich dark chocolate flavors that are coming through at the end on the finish. Wow, this is really good. I I like this. It's the Federalist Cabernet Sauvignon, and this is a 2018. And if you're looking for the date on this particular label, you got to turn around to the back and look down at the bottom right hand side, and that's where the date is, the vintage is. But this is really good. I I enjoy this. We've had it before, and I remember it being good. But, boy, it's I don't remember it being this good. So, great, great choice tonight. I have to tell the engineer she did a good, good job of picking that out. All right. Well, I will be sipping this throughout the rest of the show then. Pour myself some more here. So, because she will run back in here and grab the bottle, because she always does. She doesn't want me to keep it in here. So, okay, let's see what else we've got to talk to you about. Uh, oh, young adults aren't drinking as much. This is a survey of at least 1,000 U.S. adults conducted July the 1st through the 11th of this year, and then July 3rd to 27th. Oh, I'm sorry, July 1st to 11th of 2018, and then again July 3rd to the 27th of 2023. And the question—I don't know what the question was—but it says. Uh, one or two drinks a day. Oh, here's the question. Do you think one or two drinks a day is detrimental to your health? 18 to 34 year olds in 2018, 34% said it's detrimental. In 2023, that jumped up to 52%. Come on, guys, listen to this show. I've already disproved all that stuff. It's not detrimental to your health, it's good for you. Oh, boy. 35 to 54-year-olds, 54, 26% said so in 2018. Now that's up to 39%. But the boomers, 26% said so also in 2018, and they only increased it by three percentage points up to 29% in 2023. See, they're the ones that listen to the show. I, I told you all that it's not bad for you, even though there's a couple of reports out that say there is. Views on alcohol and drugs are shifting rapidly, the article says, especially among millennials and Gen Z. Uh, record high, 39% of Americans believe moderate drinking is detrimental to health. Uh, women are more likely than men to perceive moderate drinking as unhealthy. And non-religious people, 47%, were more likely than Christians, 35%, to say it's harmful. Huh. That was an interesting note there, wasn't it? There's more interest in mocktails. And bars say they are appealing to the sober, curious patrons. 
excuse me, sober curious. Isn't that a different word for the DD, designated driver? Sober curious. That's a new term. Growth of non-alcoholic beverages is going crazy, too. Uh, it's being driven by the Gen Zs and Millennials. Uh, the older groups aren't into the non-alcoholic beverages so much. So, there you go. Interesting interesting little bit of information there. I think it's sad that they're still believing that. But, yeah, what can you say? Uh, is this one of them? Uh, no, this isn't. Uh, okay. A couple of weeks ago, I told you about Sherry Lohman and the executives that were, well, all that great wine and everything that people had stored there, and they all had it, uh, uh, you know, just all these bottles of wine and everything. Well, U.S. Postal Inspection Service went out of its way last week to take credit for the New York wine shop Sherry Lohman being raided by authorities. There is recent precedent for the U, uh, United States Postal Service being involved because uh, of the stuff being done in the mail. And once it gets done in the mail, then they can start jumping in there. But uh, quickly, if you haven't followed the downfall of one of the most famous wine shops in the U.S., which was founded in 1934, they pioneered wine future sales in 1915. It was the store of choice for the Manhattan elite for decades. You know, I just, and, you know, well, their New York liquor license expired earlier this year because the store owed the state $2.8 million in sales tax. The state ordered the store closed in March, and it has not reopened. And their website went dark. They also have found that they owe landlords $3.6 million. The Times also reported in June that the Justice, Department of Justice convened a federal grand jury into the investigation. They have been sued by two doctors over Bordeaux wines they paid for and never received, totaling more than $800,000. In June, they lost a summary judgment in a different lawsuit for $251,000 uh, to uh, an individual who ordered uh, cases, how many didn't say, cases of Domaine de la Romani Conti, and it was never done. They also have evidence of them passing bad checks and law fraud. And last week, the FBI agents, along with New York Police Department officers, raided and closed the store. And they said that they moved everything to a building up north, but they checked up north, and it was not there. So, the big deal goes on and on. Now, let me get rid of this, and I want to go to something else here that I pointed out, uh, that I want to point out. That's on the 20th. And this article, this is shortly after, it said that 
they have hidden wine caves that uh, Sherry Lewin has. The FBI raided a sleepy office complex north of New York City, and they found some uh, wines. The Sherry Lohman has secretly been stashing a fortune in wines, uh, fine wines. Uh, FBI agents were scouring Sherry Lohman's now shuttered shop in Upper East Manhattan, and another team found this cave with a whole bunch of good wines in it. The FBI did not disclose the outlet. Uh, They didn't want to rush, probably. But it is, uh, it contains a lot of the wines that people said that they were missing. And they haven't been able to get them. So, it looks like it's an ongoing saga. Uh, as always on this stuff, an ongoing saga. Uh, let's see, the wine case. And, yep, there we go. Okay. Uh, let me get out of this one and go to... Oh, here's something for all of you out there. It is uh, Wine Spectator, uh, Spectator's 17th Annual Video Contest. This is open to everyone. Uh, you, you know, you don't have to just be a store or anything like that. This is open to anyone. Uh, how did you fall in love with wine? Uh, what are some of your specific favorite bottles, what's your favorite meal with wine, uh, what's your trip or story that uh, you heard or you took uh, that changed wine, uh, how do you celebrate wine on a regular basis, what's your everyday ritual, do you have friends that you drink with all the time and have, s- these are all ideas for your contest, anyone can enter, whether you're a wine lover, you work in wine, in a restaurant, whatever. Uh, makes no difference. Uh, they're accepting everything from any anybody. You have to be 21, though. You have to be 21 or older. And how to enter. I, can I put this? Let me see if this has got a link so I can put it on Facebook or something afterwards. Uh, ooh, this is out of the... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I can copy and paste. Wine Spectator. I subscribe, but I don't know if they'll let me transfer. Yeah, well, there's something there. Yeah, okay. Maybe I can. All right. How to enter. You shoot whatever you want. This is your story. They say you can use your iPhone, Android, GoPro, uh, DSLR, video camera, You, any way you want. Have fun. Be creative. that's not being judged by production, it's being judged by the great storytelling and a passion for wine. Now, submissions cannot exceed two minutes in length. Okay, two minutes. So set a dinging bell over to the side, and if you're going to tell it, you might practice your story first before you start recording it. But two minutes. Get all the rules and submit your short video online by Monday, September the 4th. So that gives you, what, two weeks 
a little over two weeks to get all this done. The winning video and other finalist videos will be showcased on winespectator.com. And you can win prizes. It's not like you're just doing it for, you know, for fun. The winner gets two full passes to Wine Spectator's 2023 New York Wine Experience Weekend. And this is what, like you said, this is the $2,300 cost for the whole weekend. That's what two passes for that and the finalists two passes to one of two 2023 wine experience grand tasting evenings or a 2024 grand taste tour tasting and all qualified entrants get a one-year membership to winespectator.com there you go everything's online that i get and read every week so you can check them out. The past entrants are on their website. And uh, a 2022 winner was Cabernet Tonight. 2021 winner was Sommelier. Don't try this at home. 2020 winner, Drink the Best in House Arrest. 2019, Sojourn, Journey to the Edge of the Earth. And in 2018, The Soul of Barolo. So there's some... You know, ideas for titles too. That looks like that might be a thing. Submission deadline Monday, September the fourth at eleven fifty-nine p.m. Eastern time. Finalists will be revealed, and voting begins Monday, September eighteenth. And this is online voting at uh, WineSpectator.com. Voting closes Sunday, September twenty-fourth. So it's only one week of voting. Runner-up and honorable mentions announced on Tuesday, September 26th, and the winner announced on Wednesday, September 27th. So, there you go. If you have questions, uh, video at winespectator.com. And it sounds like fun. Have fun with it. Two minutes will go fast uh, when you start doing that stuff. So, uh Okay, I've got this on the wrong one. I got this on me, and I don't want this on me. I want this to go to. Yeah. I don't know. I have to play with this stuff longer than I want to play with this stuff to get it done right. So I will do it after the show instead of trying to do it now. All right, there we go. Uh, I'll post this on the Facebook page, so if you are interested, check that out. Now, these dates are coming up soon here. Everything's going to be done within a month. Don't delay. If you're interested, do it. Uh, something I saw here which was interesting, cork taint. We've talked about cork taint. It's 246-trichlorinosol, uh, which causes a contaminant to get on the cork, which gets into the wine, which makes it taste as described as barnyardy, <coughs> excuse me, ashtray smell to wine good. You know, I've done a whole shows on cork paint. You can check those out in the archives. But this uh, this blogger here, uh, Northwest or Northwestern, does it say Northwest Wine Report, says that 
cork taint is dropping off. Uh, this guy says, in fact, uh, he had uh, a single bottle back in September, and he can remember it for the rest of the entire year. And you do. It's just I've had a cork taint tainted bottle before too, and it's it's something that it just sticks in your mind. But he's saying that there's less bottles that are going that are actually ha having cork taint, and one of the main reasons is the decrease in the number of wines. The alternative closure. Okay, in 2016, 77.17% of the wines that were released were in cork, natural cork. Alternative closures, screw cap, if you will, 22.83%. 2017, the alternative closures dropped uh, down to 22.79. But in 2018, it rose up to 25.70. <clears throat> Excuse me. 2019, it rose up to 34.50. 2020, 38.10. And in 2021, the number of wines that are being sold was only 53.47%, and alternative closures 46.52%. So that has probably a lot to do with cork taint because the corks are the ones that carry the taint. When you screw that cap onto it, you're not going to get anything that's going to cause cork tank. So that's probably the big big reason for the decrease. Um, and the number of wines corked on his list here has dropped from a high in 2018 of 5% or total number of cork wines under his study of 64 to now only 3% of wines are corked, and that's only 23 out of it, out of all of it. So it's uh, definitely, definitely a decrease in corked wines. So that's good. That's a good thing. And it's not just because they're all the... Uh, screw caps or something like that. I'm sure there's other types of closures out there that are being used that are stopping it also. Carol Mack. I don't know if you've heard of her or not. Carol Mack is involved. I've seen the name pop up on different things here and there. And she's uh, an executive producer, a sommelier, author, and speaker. And she also has uh, done a lot of stuff in wine. Uh, she's appeared on all sorts of shows, uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, USA Today, all sorts of stuff. I'm gone. She's got other here. But the main reason I'm telling you about her is because she just recently did a new series called Psalm School Insider. I haven't seen it, and I just now that's I will see it after this, but it says 
uh, Psalm School and Siren, the final series that I produced with Golden Ram was Psalm School Insider, S-O-M-M School Insider. <coughs> Excuse me. A seven-episode series following my journey inside the Sommelier Society of America, the oldest wine school in the country. Now, that in itself should be interesting that, that it follows that in there. There you go. The series highlighted my actual instructors and real lessons in an abbreviated, fun way to make learning about wine accessible to the everyday wine lover. That sounds like basically my code for this show. USA Today says it makes a splash in the wine world. And it's available on Roku globally as well as Wine for Food, W-I-N-E for the number food, F-O-O-D dot com. Wine for Food. You can binge the whole series in about 40 minutes, she says. This show was one of my favorite wine experiences ever. So there you go. That sounds really, really interesting and a lot of fun. We try to make it fun. So uh, check it out. Psalm School Insider, you can go to Roku, uh, Roku, I always say Roku, I don't know if that's right or not, Roku, but Roku or wineforfood.com, and, you know, it's worth 40 minutes every time to check it out. I'll have to get a hold of her and see if I can't get her on the show if she's not so busy, she might be able to take an hour out and talk with us. But uh, she's she's got quite a few things going for her here. Uh, this it was an interview out of, uh, you know what, out of the uh, Wine Industry Network. So, okay. Now, let's see. Let's go back to this. Okay, there we go. And is this done? I don't know. Let's do this anyway. And uh, let's go to this one here. And where is it? Oh, here we go. Now, I'm not going to go into this a lot. I thought this was uh, an interesting article, but uh, it's a four-year battle over wine tasting in Napa, and it involves the, oh, geez, San Francisco Chronicle, you have to sign in. I don't know my sign-in. Let's see if we can, if it'll give it to me. Okay, sign-in, there it is, and my sign-in. Let's see if that's going to let me in. Incorrect. Error. Okay, let's try another sign-in. Let's see if that works. Error. Let's try another one. Let's see if this works. You probably locked me out of it now. Uh, oh, okay. Well, can't do it. But the article, since I can't get into it because the San Francisco Chronicle won't let me read article that's a sign-in, and I do subscribe, but i got to sign in, and I don't know what my sign-in number is. Uh, 
Yep, I hate it when they do that. But basically the article is saying that the laws and rules that were passed in San Francisco or in Napa Valley <coughs> were all passed in, what did it say, 28 or something like that. And a lot of these wineries, small wineries, are grandfathered in because a lot of them have been there before even the turn of the 2000. But they're saying, Napa Valley is saying, no, you can't, you can't do this, you can't do that because it states on the law. And all these little wineries are saying, yeah, we can, yeah, we can because we were grandfathered in. And so it's an ongoing thing. Well, recently, Hoops Winery won a decision by a court saying, yes, they can do their tastings, they can do their everything because they have been there and they are grandfathered in. And Napa is now saying, well, we're going to take it further because we don't want these little small wineries. I mean, these people are doing a tasting out of a a, a trailer uh, and stuff like that. They get goats and chickens and all that in the yard and the tastings done outside on the trailer uh, on a picnic table outside the trailer things like this and napa doesn't like the image because napa's snobby and so they want that done and a lot of these other small wineries around the area there too aren't all built up in the multi-million dollar facilities that most of napa valley has especially along the main drag so napa's mad at them and hoops winery want a decision that they're okay, which is cool. I'm I'm glad to see that. But yeah, that's what the article says, and I need to really put a sticky note up in the corner of my computer here with the password for the Chronicle, because I always always forget what I did. And I I've got it around here somewhere, but you know, like we've only got eight minutes left on the show, and I'll be searching for that thing forever. Okay, let's go back to this. Uh, and let's turn that off. Okay. And uh, oh, wineries in Oregon's Willamette Valley are seeking $28 million in smoke damage to their grapes from the Pacificor's electrical system. Pacificor is the one, or they might pronounce it Pacific Corp, but Pacificor is the one that has the power around there, and they said that power lines is what caused the wildfires. And so, therefore, they lost so much money because the grapes were not usable. And the people who would buy grapes from them did not. So they're looking. uh, Five different winery companies are trying to get $28 million. $28 million in smoke damage. Because they're saying that it's Pacific Horse's fault. And I'm sure it's going to be battle and battle. And we won't hear the end of that for like 100 years. So, uh, so here's an interesting article too. Does price matter when it comes to wine? 
And here's what the sommeliers say. So what factors price what factors play a role in the wine's price? And this is always interesting here because I, I mentioned this. Wine's price depends on factors and is not always indicative of the quality. The most notable factor includes the origin of the grapes. And this is determined how rare the grape is and the cost of the grapes going into the wine. So that makes a big difference. The location of the vineyard the history of the land, the reputation and status of the winemaker. The Oh, see, that's what happened. I told you she'd come in and take the bottle, and she sure did. Um, location of the vineyard, history of the land, reputation and status of the winemaker, vineyard resources, aging practices. For example, one new French oak barrel can cost up to $3,500 farming techniques and wine packaging, bottle, label, closures, all of these things is going to make the wine more expensive. And once that's done, you get the shipping, wine retail price, inflation, fuel costs, cost of shipping, and other economic circumstances. So you have a whole list of things. That's not even to mention the taxes, uh, liquor license, the staff, all this other stuff that you have to pay. Uh, and sure, it's not just that one bottle sitting up on the shelf is going to take all of it, care of all this stuff, but it's all going to make a difference. Uh, so... It goes on, the price of wine not necessarily reflects its quality. Uh, wine bottles pierced under $10 retail often questionable in quality. At 15 to 20, you're more likely to find something worth drinking. And that's what I've always said. Around 30 to 40, the expiration of wines becomes more gratifying. And you can always get winners at the 50 to 75, uh, to, you know, 50 to $75 range. Of course you can. You're... you're going to find some real good ones. But once you exceed the eighty to a hundred dollar price, it's iffy if you're going to notice the difference. Alright. Chances are you won't taste, smell, or experience much of the difference when comparing a hundred dollar wine to a five hundred. And I've always said that. It's subtle. But when you start comparing 50 to 500, there is a difference. You can taste and smell and actually appreciate the difference on that. If you're going to buy a bottle from a prominent region, you're going to spend 50 to $100. And that's one of the reasons why you won't tell a whole bunch of difference because it's going to be, well, what they demand for their price. And so, you know, don't do that. A general rule of thumb is to invest in what you're comfortable with. All right. That's simple. Sommeliers typically tend to stay away from wines that sell for $12 or less. And there you go. I always tell people, you know, just, you know, you, you $15 bottle of wine. Most people buy wines that cost between $7 and $15. That is the standard price range for most everybody when they walk into a store be it grocery store or liquor store, whatever, seven to fifteen. I always tell people also get away from that seven to fifteen. Go to the 
20 to $30 range. And you will definitely see a difference. You will start noticing a difference, just that little jump there. And you will see a major difference. So always keep that in mind, uh, that uh, that little jump there is going to really show you a big difference in the quality. Now, the end of this article here, and I will end the evening with this article, uh, with uh, a couple of notes that they pointed out. They said, no matter what you're getting, $30 bottle of wine or a $300 bottle of wine, do your research. If you're visiting the winery's website, look at the bottle and stuff like that and find out a little bit about it. Then set the mood. If you want to have a memorable bottle of wine, set the mood for that memorable bottle. Don't overthink or overanalyze the wine. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it right now. You know, I mean, I've been tasting wine for many years, and I'll find that things in this wine that I'm tasting now. I think you'll find the chocolate, too, to be honest with you, chocolate bum, because this is very good. But you don't have to, and that's okay. And enjoy, enjoy the moment, you know, as, as the thing goes. And he says let it breathe. If it's an older wine, yeah, I probably should. But if you're drinking younger wine, I don't see any reason for it. Most of the wines you're going to have are going to be younger wines. So, regardless of what the wine is, wine is best enjoyed with good company. Now, that is priceless, and that's how he ends the article here, which is a good point. You know, if you can find somebody to enjoy a bottle of wine with, it is always making the wine better. So, there you go. That's a good way to, to end our evening here. All right. Oh. <laughs> Am I gone? Are you gone? Yeah, I'm not what on I'm not on the switchboard. No, you're on the switchboard. I don't see Hang me. On, let me refresh. Oh, there I am. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll see you. Yeah, there um, you go. Okay. Okay. Now, one more thing. Oh, I hope everybody tuned into my class Saturday morning, seven to nine, <laughs> on flightlineradio.com because he was on live. No more Friday evenings. You don't have to listen to him on Friday right. evenings. But Saturday morning, seven to nine. You can tune into Flightline Radio anytime because Flightline Radio is streaming 24-7 for your listening enjoyment. And they have all sorts of different music, all sorts of different uh, uh, venues, all sorts of different uh, types of music. So uh, tune in and listen to it. But then you can always tune into Mike at 7 to 9 on Saturday mornings and request anything you want. And he'll do his research and he'll get it on for you. Almost. Yep. I mean, sometimes he'll have some that he can't find, but right. he does an excellent job at finding stuff. You know what? Some, sometimes I find one that I just don't want to play. And uh, <laughs> you get to wait another. Until the next one. They do. That's what they do. Okay, this will play. Let's see. I get off at 9. This will play about 9.15. <laughs> Yes, yeah. but I'm long gone out of there. Um, yes, 
All right. Very, very good. Thank you for that. And uh, coming up, don't forget, next week, August 24th, is uh, Clark Smith. And I'll post uh, details on, on the show uh, or about the show coming up uh, on social media. So stay, tu- stay tuned to that, and um, we'll look forward to that as well. So uh, guests are coming up the uh, rest of the month and uh, the beginning of September so far. So um Keep with us and uh, keep tuned in, and uh, it's sure to be, be a good, safe, good time. Stay cool. Stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, that's a big thing. And don't forget, it, it, winter is right around the corner, and for us in Florida, that means the temperatures will be around ninety. So that's right. um, we that it, should it, hit us about the, January the fifth, or I think January. Yeah, yeah, I think they think that's about it. That's when it hits. When it gets blistering cold in the seventies. Um, <laughs> all right, have a good week. And, uh, be safe. <laughs> and uh, what was uh, National Sweet Tea Day? Oh, that's Monday. Okay, I wrote that. Yeah, I don't know. Be safe know. out there. And uh, thanks Thank for listening. Guys. We'll see you next week. Right. Thank you. That was the wrong one. Hang on a second. There we go. Uh-oh. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine, all about wine. with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on wine. Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. I'm scared to say All About Wine now because you said it it came in echoey, so I'm, I'm scared to say it. Say it. That's what. That's what's fun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll go back to saying it. It's funny. When I'm I'm hearing the song end, and you're just saying all about wine. <laughs> but I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know you had a delay on there. I, I thought, why is he delaying it like about a second or so after it's delayed? No, Maybe you should, not, it sounds. I'm saying it right on top of it. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we were. Uh, I think we were two or three minutes delay here tonight. So it's oh, that's not too bad. Better than ten it was, but trying yeah. to get back to like seconds, like uh, yeah, it was a long time ago. But I don't know. Um, yeah, play with it more. Well, Maybe you can come up. With it. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's little fine tuning things you have to do. Match the bandwidth. To, I don't know. There's just a bunch of stupid settings, but uh, we'll try it. <laughs> um, stuff to do. All righty. Uh, we'll there talk you to you, uh, and I'll pl- start plugging these shows in. Uh, All right. Very good. So, we'll see you next week. We should have some, some interesting shows coming up over the next three or four weeks or so. That's good. Yeah. Good. So, yeah that sounds good. All right. Yeah. Talk to you next one. All right. All right thank have you. a good, safe week. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next week. You too. All right. mm. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, Mike is gone, and we are gone.